when you don't understand, bow the knee. Bow your knee in the presence of the King. We can trust Him. I'd like you to turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. And then uh, consider what these things have in common. A, a quiz, a riddle. Palm readers, fortune cookies, tarot cards, Ouija boards, tea leaves, far, uh, farmer's almanac, Dow Jones, weather forecasts, pork bellies, college degrees, seeds, and bulbs. Well, you know the title of my message is What's in Your Future? These all have to do with future. You, you get a college degree. Why? Because you're thinking about your future. You might not use that, uh, but you're still, you, you spend $100,000, you're thinking about your future. And so uh, that's what the message is about this morning. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, Paul writes it because of the concern of believers in the church that were saying, what, we have no future. Our, our parents are dying. And much, much like in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, our parents are dying and, and now they've missed the rapture and, and now they, will, they won't go to heaven, will they? And Paul is writing 1 Corinthians 15 as well as 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 to show that we have a future. We do. Sometimes we look and we say, wow, that's, that's what I need. I I brought this morning a vase of dahlias and picked these dahlias this morning because they do not last very long once they are cut. But uh, if you said, which would you prefer, a dahlia or this bouquet of dahlias or this, what would you say? Yeah, if, if you're smart, you'll say this bulb, because this is life. That is not. Now, I, I'm afraid that a lot of us look at what the world has and say, no, that's living. <laughs> that's living. It's, it's like the guys standing there, and, and the, the, the hearse goes by, and and they've got a whole procession, and, and his, uh, his cars or Corvettes and everything are following the hearse, and uh, a bunch of his racehorses, or, uh, people are leading them, following the hearse, and, and uh, then trunks of money or whatever, and uh, one guy turns to the other and says, now that's living. No. No, that's dying. Those are dying. Life without Christ is dead. You hath he quickened or made alive who were dead in trespasses and sin. Without Christ, we are dahlias. With Christ, we are the bulb. Now, out of this bulb can come 
maybe hundreds of flowers. Well, more than that, because uh, from the bulb comes more bulbs. It just keeps going. And this can produce year after year after year after year if you dig them up. And that's the tough part with dahlias. But I want you to realize that sometimes we get a, a wrong perspective of life. And we think that this is living. Because it's fun and it's fast and it is exciting. But it's death. So Paul writes 1 Corinthians 15. There is something sad about something that has no future. That is true. We just, uh, in our Wednesday night Conqueror series, one of the speakers said, uh, if you lose sight of the future, you will return to the past. We had Teen Challenge here last Sunday night. And that's something they have to remember. If you lose sight of the future, then you will return to your past. Some of them do, and they have to get refocused to look, hey, you've got a future. There is life out there. They lose it all, and, and that, but now there can be life in Jesus Christ, and, and we need to keep that focus. Something sad about something with no future. We used to raise, uh, working on the ranch, uh, the boss's daughter, Janet, she would show a hog every, every fair. So in the fall, the fair, county fair came, she would show a hog. And it was my responsibility to help prepare that hog so that she could show him out there, get in the arena with that hog and chase it around with a stick. It was supposed to you know, be well-trained. I never, got, never trained them well. Uh, they fought and they, they did everything. But one thing that they did get is they, uh, every, at the end of the fair, they auctioned off the hogs. And so all summer long, we're preparing this pig for a future. <laughs> and there would be tears and weeping and wailing from Janet because the pig had no future. It was sad. It would bring big money, but it was butchered. I mean, that's what, that's what they were raised for. No future. Without Christ, there is no future. Maybe memories, and they might be short. They might be bleak. They might be hopeless. And so he writes, 1 Corinthians 15, to give us hope. And that's one reason why I often refer to 1 Corinthians 15 during funerals. Because we need to be reminded that there is hope. Uh, rather than... Uh, Read all of these verses. We're going to start at verse 20. But I'm not going to read them all beforehand. I'm just going to pick the ones that pertain to in this chapter and in these verses here. Uh, we have promises that are given to us because of Christ's physical resurrection. I want us to see that. Now, there are at least four, but there are just four that I'm going to mention and not speak much about some of them, but four promises that we have because Christ came out of the grave, physically was resurrected. There was no body left in that tomb. 
It wasn't a spiritual resurrection, not just a spiritual resurrection. It was a physical resurrection. And the soldiers couldn't find the body and said, he's gone. The angels took him. And the priest said, don't tell anybody. And, uh, but there was no body to find. The enemy couldn't produce the body. The soldiers couldn't produce the body, even though they could have lost their lives because they let this body uh, escape. But there's no body left because he was physically resurrected. What are four promises that we see from this passage? I'm going to read verses 20 through 23. But now is Christ risen from the dead and become the firstfruits of them that slept. For since by man came death, by man came also the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ shall all be made alive. But in every man in his own order, Christ the firstfruits, afterward they that are Christ at his coming. So the first promise that we see here is that there will be more resurrections. I, I appreciate that promise because it gives me hope. And we have a future. Even the words he uses here reflects the future. Uh, look, uh, those buried are referred to as asleep. That, that means the future. Uh, when you go to sleep, you expect to wake up in the morning. Now, someday I would like to go to sleep and not wake up in the morning, wake up in heaven. But uh, that doesn't happen all of the time, but it does some of the time. And so when he uses the word sleep, it doesn't mean that, uh, it does mean they were dead, but it doesn't mean they're dead forever. There are more resurrections. That here in, in verse 20, it says the first fruits. It uses that word. Uh, Christ was the first fruits of them that slept, those that are dead, an, a kind way or a, uh, an encouraging way to describe death. Those, uh, the resurrection of Christ is not merely something in the past. It is just the beginning of a lot of future resurrections. First fruits, the harvest. And I've mentioned before how the, uh, there in Montana, I would go out in the grain field, the wheat field, and I would examine, I would see that there would be portions that were beginning to turn yellow rather than the green of the wheat. And, and uh, I would tell my boss, well, it is, looks like it's getting ready. And I'd go out with him and he would roll a head of wheat in his hand to see, are they ready to, to come off the, the stem? And he'd roll it around and he'd say, well, let's give it another week. And then he would do it again. And then uh, he, that, that was the first fruits. Hey, th- what, would, what did that mean? That everything that he rolled around in his hand, this is what we got. No. It's just saying there is more to come. Many more. It's just the first fruits. Back in Israel's day, they would offer the, they, they would go out and thresh all the stuff, grain that uh, was ready. And then that would be the first fruits. They would bring an offering, a sheath of, of grain, and they would give it to the priests. This is the, the first fruits. And that was a promise that God had provided. He was giving, they were giving the first fruits to God because he had provided all that was going to follow. The first fruit, Jesus Christ was the first fruits. All that would follow, you know, just the promise. We give, uh, I know, my wife and I, we tithe. And you 
probably do too, where you give the first fruits, you give a tenth, or you de- de- decide on a, a proportion to give, and you do that, saying, Lord, thank you for what you provided, and you give that because God has given so much more to follow. So it's the first fruits here. Uh, when I was little, uh, we moved to Wyoming, and we lived in a little town in Wyoming. It was between Cody and Thermopolis, and this little town, the, my dad drew, uh, drove bus. He was a preacher, but with eight kids, he had uh, another job. He drove bus for the school there, and the, 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 he drove a bus route called Little Buffalo Basin. And it was an oil town, just a little settlement there. And we got to be good friends with the uh, kids out there because we'd often ride the bus with Dad. And, and we knew all the kids that came on the bus. And, and every now and then they would have an oil strike. They'd drill a, a well. And we'd hear about it in school. You know, at school there were the oilies and the townies. And uh, sometimes they didn't mix. Well, lots of times they didn't mix. But... Um, we would hear about this, and we would get to go and see the results. We would go out there, and Dad would drive the bus out there where they had dr- uh, drilled another, another well. And this one produced. I mean, we never got to witness the oil gush uh, out there, but uh, that initial gush, gush of oil shooting up there, and the men would cheer and cheer. Why? Because of the oil that came out? No. Because of the promise that there would be much more in the ground below. And so they would cheer that. There is more to this life than this life. And the cheer goes up, not because of this life. The cheer goes up. And we say, boy, that's left. No, the cheer doesn't go up. For that, it goes up because of the life after this life is much better. The first fruits. Uh, Paul says in verse 21, For since by man, Adam, came death, right? By man, Jesus, came also the resurrection of the dead. And he explains that in verse 22. For as in Adam, all die. Even so, in Christ shall all be made alive. So uh, we die because of Adam. We live because of Christ. Death is certain in Adam, but our resurrection is just as certain in Jesus Christ. But not all are included in that word all. You say, well, all means all. No, that's not what Paul is saying here. He qualifies this all here. Listen, he says, even so in Christ shall all be made alive. They that, in verse 23, they that are in Christ at his coming will be resurrected. And so there's a qualification here. Not all people are on their way to heaven. And you don't get to heaven because you're a little better tomorrow than you are today. Or you're a little better today than you were yesterday. Or you're a really good person. Or you belong to First Baptist Church. Or you were baptized in that baptismal tank. Or that uh, your mom and dad were good Christians and you are just a, a nice person. That, that doesn't 
save us. We must be in Christ. What does that mean? There must be a time in your life when you have placed your faith in the work that Christ did upon the cross. What did he do? He died as my replacement on the cross. He took my sin and he gave me his righteousness. So I want you to grasp that. Not all are in Christ. So not all are resurrected in Christ, like it says here. Only those that have placed their faith in Christ. So Christ's resurrection promises more resurrections. Christ's resurrection promises future victory. Uh, the, the song that was sung today, uh, both the songs that were sung today, talked about the victory that we have in Jesus Christ. No more sin, victory over sin. Won't that be great? No more result of sin. What's the result of sin? Is death. That means we don't need to grow old uh, once we are resurrected the second time or our first time, but following Christ. Just going to skip to the resurrection of Christ promises a future new body. No amens? <laughs> Come on, any, any, anybody want a future new body? You know, it doesn't seem like we're really that upset. We try to do everything we can to keep the body we have, right? I mean, we, we fight for this body. And we will do whatever we can just to get another day, which, uh, which Paul is saying, hey, why are you doing that? Uh, 1 Corinthians 23, oh, yeah, no, 1 Corinthians 35 says we get a new body. For he must reign till he hath put all enemies under his feet. The last enemy that shall be destroyed is death. For he hath put all things under his feet. But when he saith all things are put under him, it is manifest that he is accepted, which did put all things under his feet. And when all things shall be subdued unto him, then shall the Son himself be subject unto him that put all things under his feet, that God may be all in all. Uh, he's describing here, oh, uh, it's verse 35, the new body, I thought that didn't sound quite... But some man will say, how are the dead raised up, and with what body do they come? Thou fool, that which thou sowest is not quickened or made alive, except it die. It's got to die first. And that which thou sowest, thou sowest not that body that shall be but bare grain. It may chance, or it might be wheat or some other grain. But God giveth it a body as it hath pleased him, and to every seed his own body. We are going to uh, receive new bodies. I uh, just kind of imagine this, that, that uh, you walk by our farm. We don't have a farm, but it's imagination anyway. So you walk by our farm, and I am sitting there at the end of a newly planted row of corn. And I am crying, and I'm crying, and, and you say, Pastor Dave, why are you crying? And I say, well, uh, you know, and I hold up, and I, I did bring a bag of seed corn here. I hold up a kernel of corn and say, I am so sad because I've been planting corn this morning, and I feel so badly about 
this corn. Oh, why do you feel badly about it? Well, I'm putting it in the ground and that it's going to rot in there. I will never see that corn again. Now, is, that, uh, is it right that I, you know, there, there could be some, some feelings that way. Uh, but you would attempt to tell me why farmers plant corn. And you will say, it's okay. Yeah, you, you will not see that corn again. But shortly, you're going to see a new form of that corn. And it is going to be much better than the corn you put in the ground. That dry kernel will become really a live kernel, really living. And so uh, that's what uh, needs to be a reminder to me, and maybe to you, because uh, we grieve at funerals, and we're not grieving really for that person, are we? We grieve because we have lost somebody in our life. There's going to be an empty place in our hearts, and so we're grieving for ourselves, because of the, the hurt that we're the phone call that we get, expecting it to be mom and it's and it's not mom, or uh, it's, it's watching somebody enters the house of the uh, and you expect it to be your spouse, and it's not going to be them anymore. So we grieve because of of that, and and that's okay. But we often have to be reminded that it isn't the end if you're believers. It's not the end here. And so uh, we, we have to remember that this life is not all there is. When a Christian dies, it's not a time to despair, but it's a time to trust. I've uh, been encouraged by Harley lately. And... Harley wrote the message for his wife's funeral. I just preached it. And the assurance that we have that to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. And even though we sorrow, it's, it's okay. Because someday we will be present with the Lord as well and present with our loved ones. And that's what Paul is writing about in this chapter. And so... We encourage each other. Uh, sometimes we look at death as tragedy, and it is somewhat. Three weeks ago, uh, a young couple got married down at, well, it, they were from Faith Baptist Bible College. And he was in the pastoral department. And, and so they got married three weeks ago, and they went on their honeymoon in Florida. They got married three Saturdays ago, and the show caught him in Florida on Tuesday, so married four days, and, and we say that is, is tragic, and it, and it is, and, and it's hard to put any other term on there, just we must remind ourselves that God is always good, 
and God is always right. Even when we cannot understand it, we bow the knee. We bow our knee. The funeral last Saturday, I think it was. The funeral. And so our prayers are with that new bride who has no spouse. Paul's encouragement to us. I can't give encouragement at times like that. Only God's Word can do that. And so we look at God's Word and find encouragement. Someday we will receive new bodies. We're going to look at kind of what that looks like next Sunday. The new bodies that we will have. Bodies that don't ache. Bodies that will not die again. I'm looking forward to that. I pray that you are as well. Let's pray. Father, we do pray at this time for this young bride. We ask, Lord, that uh, you will bring comfort that no one can bring to this young lady. And, And so through your word, might she spend time in your word or through your word that's in song or something, encourage her. Lord, I pray that if there's one here that is not in Christ, has not placed their trust in Jesus, that they might do that this morning. I pray that for those of us that are, are getting old and our bodies are aching, that you might remind us, might our aches be a reminder that we're going to have a new body someday. Might our tears, as we draw close to death, remind us that this is just a very short beginning of eternity and that we have much to look forward to because you came forth from the grave. So we thank you for the opportunity to live forever with you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.